Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wiley, Texas. Let's go on in and see what J.R. Franklin has to teach us today. All right. Nah, that's good enough. That's enough. Everybody's tired. They want to sit down. They didn't wait for me to tell them to this morning. They just did it. Well, I tell you what. Phantom pain? Yeah, scratch your foot and it'll quit hurting. <laughs> That's bad. I'm sorry, Jerry. <laughs> I know. I got to get there. Whew. It's a long ways around this place to say hello to everybody. I'm out of breath. <laughs> Tell you what, guys, it's a beautiful day outside. Temperature is just right. Everything's good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I ask that you anoint the words that are going to be read here this morning. Let us re receive what you have given us today. Let us walk together through this. Let us learn. Let us become better Christian people than what we've ever been. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm in Esther, chapter 2. Uh, there's a purpose for this, and you all will get to it here in a little bit. We'll know what the purpose for it is. I read this a couple of times last week. I read it before, you know, and confirmation comes in a lot of ways, don't it? I've Yesterday I was at, a, at the breakfast with some people, and we talked to a guy that has been a part of our work for years now, and it's, I can honestly say it took effect. It changed his life forever. But there's... A question that asks a lot, like I say, confirmation comes from what you read a lot of places, and yesterday just confirmed, I need to preach on this today. You know, we all have a past. We all have things in our past we're not proud of. We all have a difference of how we were raised, what culture we were raised in, what kind of conditions we were raised in. There's a lot of factors that go into who we are, isn't there? You know, we take for granted sometimes that we're not the only people that suffered. There's a lot of people that suffer right along beside of us. And our lives, our decisions, and our things that we do in life has to be, it can't be just about us all the time. Now, this story of Esther has a lot of meaning to it. This portion of Esther that I'm going to read to you has a whole lot of things going on in it that her mom and dad died. She was raised by an uncle. Uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing of what this woman's been through just to get to where she's at today. But listen to what it says. We're going to start reading. It's chapter 2. And I'm going to start in verse 7. This man had a beautiful and loving young cousin, Hazah, and I can't say that right, but y'all get it, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother had died, Marcelli adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women was brought to the king's harem 
in the fortress of Sia and placed in, ha in Hagi's care. Hagi was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He liked, he quickly ordered a special menu for her to provide her with the beauty and treatments. He also arranged, assigned her seven maids specially chosen from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not been had not told anyone of her nationality and family background, for Marcy had told her not to. Every day, Mercedes would take her take a walk near the courtyard of the harem and ask about Esther to find out what was happening to her. Okay, stop there for a minute. Esther was a Jewish child. They did not like Jews very much, to say the least. So she didn't tell them that she was Jewish. She didn't tell, her, tell them about her background. She didn't go into a lot of details about herself. How many of y'all live in a place where nobody really knows who you were? Nobody really knows where you come from? Nobody really knows what you went through? You don't talk about it, do you? You keep that from people. And why do we do that? Are we ashamed of ourselves? Are we embarrassed about it? Well, a lot of us are. A lot of us are ashamed of what we did before we got saved, aren't we? A lot of us are ashamed of the way we raised ourselves or let ourselves be brought into this world. And what we did was not right. So we keep it from people. The only problem with that is we can't keep it from our Creator. And He knows who we were. And what He's doing in this place right now, Esther is a Jewish young woman. But I also forgot to tell y'all, she also believed in God. She had a love for God that was unreal. And she wanted to be right. But the circumstances forced her to do something outside of her will. How many times have y'all lived in a place where the circumstances you were in dictated how you acted? How many of us are guilty of that charge? Come on, raise your hand. Everybody in this room should have a hand up right now because we all are guilty of it. We all try to live by what other people think we should be. We all try to live by what we think we should be. Our influential people in our lives influence us to do either good or not so good. And not telling these people who she was, is that a bad thing or a good thing? It's a good thing in this situation. Because if she'd have told them, she wouldn't be where God wanted her. I'm in verse 12. Before young women was taken to the king's bed, she was given a prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments, six months of oil meth, marth, followed by six months of special perfumes and ointments. When the time came for her to go to the king, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to enhance her body, her beauty, excuse me, that Evening, she was taken to the king's private room, and the next morning she was brought to the second harem where the king's wives lived. There she would be under the care of 
Mandy? Sure, sure. I don't either. <laughs> I'm going to say it the way I think it's supposed to be. Shesh, yeah. shesh, the, the king's eunuch will work, okay? Another of the king's eunuchs, she would live there for the rest of her life, never going to the king again unless he had specifically enjoyed her and requested her by name. Y'all get where she was prepared? Y'all get that part of it? She spent a lot of time being prepared to go before the king. How much preparation are you going through before you see the king? Come on. I'm preaching something here, ain't I? How much preparation are we going to go through? We got a lot of things we got to change about ourselves, don't we? We got to change our attitude. We got to change the way we think. We got to change our heart. We got to change. A lot of stuff has to change in order for us to be presented to the king the way we should be. Right? Right? We got to work hard, don't we? Now, yeah, yeah, no. If we lived under the law, yeah. But see, I live by a thing called faith. God really doesn't care what I look like. God really doesn't care whether I'm beautiful or good looking or well groomed or shaved or if I got tattoos or if I wear blue jeans and tennis shoes to preach in. He really doesn't care about that. What does he care about? What's in here? What's in here is what God looks at. Our preparation has to be of the heart, not of the physical. I mean, God knows half of us in here are not beautiful. The other half are kind of questionable. <laughs> but when God looks at us and he sees Jesus' blood on our heart, what's he see? He sees purity, doesn't he? He sees pure beauty, righteousness, right living. We are preparing ourselves. The reason you come to church and the reason you go to Bible study and the reason you need to study your Bible is to prepare your heart for what God has for us. Does that make sense to y'all? I mean, getting saved is great, okay? It's the first thing you have to do is accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? Without that, what good does it do to prepare your heart? you got nothing to offer Him if you're not a son of His. And that, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? But it's truth. Without the acceptance of Christ, nothing you do will get you into heaven. So, salvation is important, isn't it? It's the first step of preparation, isn't it? Believing that Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. He died for your sins and He died to save you. That's the number one thing you've got to believe. But, oh my God, how much more is there to do? You've got to change your stinking thinking first off. You've got to change your stinking living. You've got to stop doing some of the stuff you've always done just because it felt good at the time, but it wasn't right. Got to think about some stuff, don't we? How do we prepare ourselves to stand before God? I mean, really, how do you prepare yourself to stand before the God that knows everything about you?
That's one question. Get to know him real well. Develop a relationship with him. Because some of you guys in here understand this. Some of you won't. It doesn't matter what you look like or how you how you present yourself, but there's somebody in here that loves you. And they love you for the way you are, not for what they thought you would be. It's what the the beauty comes from the relationship. It doesn't come from physical stuff. Physically, you can you can do a lot of things to make yourself look better, but what does it do inside of you? I mean, she went through all this mirth and all this stuff and all these beauty treatments and all. Did it change the inside of her? No. She was still Esther. And if you read the story of Esther, and I encourage you to read the book of Esther. It's a great story about Christian life. Now, yeah, she was a Jew, but she was also... It's a good story about Christian life, okay? So, <laughs> There's things that are in that book, in that story, about you can relate to today just as good as you could back then. And it tells us how to deal with it. Preparation of how to deal with our life on earth today. The government was against us. Huh? Come on. How many times have you heard the government trying to shut the churches down? How many times have you heard the government trying to say, Yeah, I don't listen to them Christian people. They ain't right. They live under a whole different set of rules than you do. Thank God. Thank God I live under a different set of rules than most of the politicians do. <laughs> but see, we have an obligation to God to be better people, don't we? How do we get to be better people? What do we do? We study the Word of God. And we get accountability from people like pops in them it was a great honor this morning to be given that plaque but it had to be earned or they wouldn't give it to us you got to do a little bit of something in order to change your ways now, i'm not preaching works to get you to heaven i'm not preaching that but i can tell you this not doing any work will keep you out of heaven not being obedient to god's word will keep you out of heaven the book says so the book says, if, I, if you're not obedient to my word, I will blot you from the book of life. That's one book I don't want to be blotted from. I want to do what God called me to do. I want to live the way God called me to live. I want to do the things that I know God will appreciate and know that it's good for me. Now, is that being stingy on my part? Yeah. I'm going to be stingy about it. I want God to be proud of me. I want God to look at me through the eyes of, of love and caring and mercy and grace. And when I stand before Him, I want Him to put His arm around me and say, Well done, my good and faithful child. That's what I want. Now, how do I get there? How do I get there? Do I just kind of fumble through it through life and stumble and fall and hope that I do it right? I'm going to give y'all an answer. Y'all ready? Everything I need to know about pleasing God is contained in this book. Everything I need to know about pleasing Him is in this book. What's my job? Find out what He says. How do I find out what this book says? 
I got to read it. I got to study it. I got to meditate on it. I got to pray about it. Oh, now I'm going to get on some toes. Now I got to get on some toes. I got to not only read it, I got to burn it into my heart. To where when I'm out there without this in my hand, and somebody comes up to me with a question, I got to know the answer. And where does the answer come from? In the book. Where's the book? It's at the house. So where's it at now? It better be inside of my heart where I can pull it out and use it when I need it. My word, my words that I speak to people out in the public carry a large amount of weight. So I better have the right words. You got to write this stuff in your heart. Well, JR, I read this and I read it and I read it and I read it and I don't understand it. Okay. I understand that because there's a lot of this stuff. I can't even pronounce half the words in here. Okay? A lot of these names I can't say if I had to. And some of the words that are so simple that anybody else can read them, I still can't read them. But see, I have something inside of me that helps me understand what it means when I read it. Even though it's broken reading, it may not be... I may read on 7th, 8th grade level. I don't know what level I read on. I can tell you this. I'm not a good reader. But I read the Bible and it becomes clear to me. What makes it clear? What makes it clear to my heart what it says? It's not my reading ability. It's not my brain. It's the spirit that lives inside of me that translates it into my language. My understanding language. But I keep doing it and I keep repeating it and I keep going over it and I keep going over it. Eventually, it becomes second nature to me. See, my first nature is sin. My first nature was sinful. When I accepted Christ, I have to kill that sinful nature. How do you kill something? How do you really kill something? You got to do two things to kill something. You got to cut off its air supply or its food supply. And how do I kill the devil talking to me? Stop feeding him and start feeding my spirit to make it stronger. And when my spirit gets stronger than my will to do bad things, what happens? I start doing right things. Now, yeah, I could go back to my old ways. Y'all think I forgot how to be an outlaw? Do you think I'll ever forget how to do it? No. Sometimes there's people that make me say, hold my Jesus for a minute. I got something to do. Y'all understand that? Sometimes I got to put my Jesus over and let somebody hold it where I can do what I got to do. But I'm going to tell you something. It gets harder and harder for me as the years go by to hand my Jesus over to somebody to hold. Because I found out something about somebody else holding my Jesus. I'm unarmed. I have no strength. I can't do the things I used to do. Because this in here has changed so much. That when I try to do that stuff, the Holy Spirit says, What are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Yeah, I have. Give me back my Jesus for a minute. 
And I put it back on, and I get to thinking about what I'm doing, and I get to thinking about how I want to do something that's not pleasing to God, and it becomes almost impossible for me to do it. Am I saying I'm better than anybody else? No. Am I better than you? No. You can do the same things I do. You can have the strength that I have. You can have the knowledge that I have. You can do it, but you got to get off your lazy self and do it. you got to put some effort into it. you got to reach out for it. You should be hungry to come into this building. You should be hungry to come to Bible study. You should be hungry to sit with people of God's people. It should become part of your... You can't live without it. If you're not there yet, keep coming. Keep feeding on it. Keep living it. It'll come to you. I promise you. It'll get to the point when you get up on Sunday morning and you think, man, I really don't want to go to church today. I really don't need to be there. You know, I got something else I could do that's a lot more fun. And then you get up and you look in the mirror and you say, and then you realize something. Wait a minute, I have to go. I'm the preacher. I got to be there. <laughs> but no, you have to make yourself want a better life. Esther was prepared to be the queen. She was prepared by other people to be the queen. It wasn't her efforts. It was other people's efforts. So what's that tell you about you changing your way of life? Is it all on you? Can you do it by yourself? No. You need to be around people of like-minded. People that want you to succeed. People that want you to be better. Is it okay for me to see you doing something that I know is against God and me just walk away and not say anything about it? If I don't love you and I don't care about you and I don't understand God's ways, I can walk away and let you do whatever you want to. But sometimes I have to get down on the dirt with you and say, hey, what are you thinking? What are you doing here? Why are you doing this? We call it wisdom, don't we? Where do we get wisdom from? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit provides us with wisdom. God gives us the wisdom in the book. He gave us the tools, but the Holy Spirit's what leads us. Without the Holy Spirit in our life, what do we got? A whole bunch of knowledge and no wisdom. Y'all understand that, what Mandy said? You can have all the head knowledge you want, but if you ain't got the Spirit of God in you, what difference does it make? You got to have that Spirit of God in you. And how do we get the Spirit of God in us? We ask Jesus into our life. We ask the Holy Spirit to be with us. And we live our lives based on that. Is it hard to do? Sometimes. But is it impossible to do? No, it's not impossible. Look around this room. There are a lot of people here doing it. If Michael can do it, you can do it. If Mandy can do it, anybody can do it. It's just the fact of life, guys. 
you have to accept Christ on His terms. You have to accept God in His terms. And if you don't know His terms, where are you going to learn them at? You're going to get them out of the Word, aren't you? Now, where's the Word come from? Where's the Word come from? How many different ways can you get the Word is a better question. <laughs> you get it through going to church. You get it through going to Bible study. You get it through reading the Bible. You get it through being around other people that, that know the Word. You get, it, you get it from life experiences. And whose life experiences do you need to tap into? People that are living for God. Because you can't learn everything. My grandma used to tell me, you will never live long enough to make all the mistakes I made. She died. And I still ain't made every mistake she made. I'm still making mistakes today, aren't I? I made a big one already. I asked God to answer questions. <laughs> you see, but reality to it is, guys, without God in our lives, we're never going to be what God intended us to be. It's easy to say, live right, do right. But how hard is it to really do it? Who's your worst enemy? Come on, point your finger right at you. You're your worst enemy. The devil will use you to separate you from God. So what do we got to do? How do we change that? First, you got to die to your flesh. You got to be resurrected in the spirit. And then you got to feed that spirit. And how do we feed our spirit? Through the Word of God. The, the Word of God is food. Jesus told the devil when he was tempting him, he said, turn those stones into bread. What did Jesus say to him? But by the Word of God. Every Word of God. So, how many words of God do we need to know? Every word. Do we need to memorize it? No. Do we need to write it in our hearts? Yep. And how do we write the Word of God in our heart? Studying it, reading it over and over and over and over and over. You should never go a day that you don't spend some time in your Word. Oh, but JR, you don't know my schedule. <laughs> don't care what your schedule is. You still need to spend some time in the Word of God. I guarantee you, you'll go to Walmart if they have a 50-50% 50, 50 sale, won't you? You'll run down to the gas station when gas prices drop below a buck and a half. You'll make time for that, won't you? you got to make time for God. What part of your day do you want to give up for God? That's up to you. But you got to give something up for Him. you got to give some time to Him. you got to give some time to reading. I called Michael the other morning. So what you doing, Mike? Reading the Bible. Okay. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. And he'd already been reading before I called him. So what time of the day do you have to give to God? Maybe that hour lunch you get at work? Because if it takes you a whole hour to eat, you're eating way too much. 
So you need to be eating some Word of God during that lunchtime too. Uh, break time, 2.45 in the afternoon. I see a lot of 2.45 patches on here. How many of y'all actually feed yourself during that time? Come on. It's a good time to eat, isn't it? Spend some time with God. What about in the evenings? Oh, but JR, I got to watch The Bachelor, or I got to watch this, or I got to watch NCIS, or, you know, I got to cook, I got to cook dinner and clean the kitchen up and get ready for tomorrow. You better get ready for tomorrow by getting ready for God today. That's all there is to it. Esther did a lot of preparation to go to the king, didn't she? How much preparation are you going to do before you stand before the king? Good question, huh? Do you want to stand before the king at your best? Or do you want to stand before him at your worst? Because there's a scripture in the Bible that says, Every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess me as Lord. But there's also another scripture in the Bible that says, Not everyone that stands before God will enter the gates of heaven. Y'all get that? Just because you're in line don't mean you're going to get there. Because if you're not obedient to the word of God, where's your name? It's not in the book of life anymore because it'd be blotted away. But J.R., I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Let me help you. You ready? Y'all ready for some help? How do we learn to do what God told us to do? Tuesday night men's meeting, 7.30. Talk about God and men's views. Wednesday night, Bible study. Thursday night, Bible study. Friday night, Bible study. Saturday, two times a month on Saturday morning. Women, come and learn how to be women of God. And then Sunday morning. Oh, now I'm going to get on some toes here. Get up at 9 o'clock and come and listen to Tony teach his class on his Bible study. Now you stay here until 10.30 to hear me preach. Then come back at 7 o'clock Sunday night and hear Charlie preach. And if that's not enough... Let us do. Let us know. We'll figure somewhere to put something else to do. One on one or whatever it takes. But that's how you become people of God is by putting time into being people of God. There's events out here that we go to. There's places that we go. There's rides that we go to. There's benefits that we do. There's. I can't tell you how much stuff gets done around here that seven or eight, ten of us are constantly doing something. Where are the rest of you? You understand what I'm asking you? Where are you at during this time? We need you there. You need to be there. And now here's the secret to it. I don't really need you to be at a benefit. I don't really need you to sit in church with me. But you do. You need to be around people that need God. You need to be around people that love God. You need to be sharing what you have with God with other people that need it. Oh, I just said something bad, didn't I? You got to go out there and tell people what you got in God. Oh, but pastor, that's your job to teach people about God. 
That's Charlie's job to teach people about God. That's Tony's job to teach people about. Diane's job. What happens when you make disciples? What happens when you make a disciple? What's that disciple supposed to do? Go out and make more disciples. Sometimes disciples have to become apostles. And if you don't know the difference between a disciple and an apostle, come to Bible study. We'll teach you what it is. Because there's a difference between a disciple and an apostle. You can be a disciple all your life. And God's going to honor you for that. But when you become an apostle, how much more is God going to honor that? Mm. You know, it's more about pleasing God than it is about pleasing us. It's more about pleasing God than it is pleasing yourself. And I'm going to tell you something. When you step up and you become an apostle, you'll understand what I'm saying. To be an apostle is not only living what God taught you, not only being a follower of Christ, but you become a teacher. That's what an apostle is. An apostle is a teacher of the Word of God. How many apostles do we have in this room? How many, how many disciples do we have in this room? How many people we have just like to come in here and sit and listen to J.R. talk? Sometimes. But see, the difference is this, guys. We have an obligation to God. Some people are going to move on. Some people in this room are going to move on to go do bigger and better things. Some people will grow up and realize what God has for them. Some people will just keep sitting here wondering, what's God got for me? Depends on how much you want to put into it, how much God will take out of it. Yep. People ask me all the time, well, how do you feel when people leave and go do other things for God? You want me to tell you how I feel? I feel blessed. I feel honored. I do a little dance every time somebody tells me they're going to start another church or they're going to build another ministry or they, they're going to go out here and do something different. It makes me feel good. You know why it makes me feel good? Because I did my job. And that gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. If I don't do my job, you can't do your job. But if you don't learn, you can't do your job either. Hmm. Hmm. More you want to know about God, the more you'll put into knowing about Him. And the more you learn about Him, the more you'll want of Him. And the more you want of Him, the more you'll go after. And the more you go after, you'll be starving to death for more. It's a non, it's, you can't fill up on God. Because when you think you got it all, He'll slap you upside the head and send you somewhere else. Do something different. But first step, it's that time again, folks. Y'all ready? You can't do none of it until you take the first step. And the first step is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't have Him as your Lord and Savior, you're wasting your time, my time, God's time, and everybody else's time. Because without Christ, you have nothing to start with.
You can't build a house without a foundation. That's a whole different story, ain't it, Charlie? That's a whole different sermon about building houses where there ain't no foundation. And that's being a fake person, and you don't want to be fake with God. Because first off, you can't fake God out. He already knows. But I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Inside this room right now, is there anybody in here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? And I'm not, not talking about knowing that Jr. said, i got to accept Christ, or I really need to do that. Is there anybody in here that really has not said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need to turn my life over to you, and I need to be forgiven for my sins. I need to be brought to a place where I understand you more. And I plan to serve the rest of my life serving you. And to give your life to Christ today. If you've never done it, what are you waiting on? What's what's holding you back? Is it fear that somebody's going to make fun of you? Any person in this room is going to make fun of you because we've all been there. We've all done it. Is there? Is it, well, I'm not worthy? I'm not worthy to stand up here and preach to you if you base my life on human side. I'm not worthy to even put on the, the title preacher. But God made me bite. He made me right. He put me where I need to be. It's God's love that brought me here, not mine. You don't have a right not to say that God can't love you and that God can't forgive you. No matter where you are today, if you're hearing my voice, you do not have a right to say God can't love you because God loves everybody so much that he gave his son to die on the cross for you. And if he didn't think it would work, why would he do it? So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you're in the sound of my voice anywhere in the world, any time of the day, any place, and you have not accepted Christ yet, right now is the time to do it. Right now is your moment to say, I need Jesus. I want everybody in this room to think about that for a second. If you're in this room, I can take care of it that quick. If you're out there on the radio or on the TV land or anywhere else, there's phone numbers on there, there's addresses on there, there's all the information you need to tell somebody that you've accepted Christ and that you need prayer. And trust me, guys, we're waiting for you to call. We're waiting on you to say, I need Jesus. Because we know that somebody out there needs Jesus right now. Give me just a second. Give me just a minute. Okay, I'm going to assume that everybody in this room has a relationship with Christ this morning. I'm going to assume that every one of you have accepted Him as Lord and Savior. Now, how many of you are willing to stand up this morning and say, I need more God than I've ever had. I need to start doing what God's called me to do. If you need more God, stand up. If you need more of God's love, in, Michael, you don't have to stand up. <laughs> 
If you need more God this morning, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father God, I humble myself. I turn from my evil ways. I turn to you for help. I turn to you for leadership. I come to you humbly and asking you to please come into my life and make things better through your word, through your presence, and my obedience. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all. God keep you all safe and be careful. I haven't done this in a long time. I'm going to do it this morning. Y'all ready for this? I bless you this morning. Financially. I pray blessings of health upon you this morning. I pray blessings of families being reunited again. I pray blessings upon you for better understanding. I pray blessings upon you for healing of the mind, the body, and the soul. I pray blessings for healing of the spirit. Bless you all as you go through your day. Y'all be careful, be good, and love each other the way you should. In Jesus' name, amen. Les, you got something for me this morning? Yes, sir, I got something to say. Okay, well, come on up here and say it with me. Well, I'm going to come back here with you this morning. Now, go ahead and say it. Well, with the word that you have given us, if he hadn't moved a heart, there's something wrong with us. And if he'd moved your heart, we're trying to do right for the good Lord waits on us on a daily basis. He loves us. He made us. And he'll always be with us if we let him. If we don't, we be by ourselves and without God, we're nothing. Vamonos, pronto. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.